0: Hello, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of The Director's Cut, brought to you by the Directors Guild of America, featuring today's top directors sharing behind-the-scenes stories of the latest films and insights into the craft of directing. Please take a second to subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts. This episode takes us behind the scenes of director Melina Matsoukas's new drama, Queen and Slim, the film follows the eponymous couple, whose first date takes an unexpected turn when they are pulled over for a minor traffic violation. After the situation escalates and Slim shoots the police officer in self-defense, the couple become unwitting outlaws and a viral symbol of trauma, terror, and pain for people all over the country. Queen and Slim is Ms. Matsukas's feature directorial debut. Her other directorial credits include the pilot for the television series Why the Last Man, and episodes of the series Insecure, American Crime Story Katrina, and Master of None. She was nominated for the DGA Award for Outstanding Directorial Achievement in Comedy Series in 2017 for her Master of None episode, Thanksgiving. Following a recent screening of the film at the DGA Theater in New York, Ms. Matsukas spoke with director M. Knight Shyamalan about filming Queen and Slim. Listen on for their spoiler filled conversation.
1: Some two tough last names she had to say there.
2: Because <laughs> yours is really easy.
1: <laughs> no, both of our last names as <laughs> what I was saying. Um, wow, this is so fun. So first of all, I have to say, um, this is super out of character for me to do. So I was at dinner, I was having dinner with my kids, and then I came here. And um, I did that because I was so moved by your, by your movie. I saw it a couple weeks ago. And uh, just, just I, you know, I didn't know anything about you, actually. So I was in, I was in Italy... And uh, um, the person that I was with said, I saw this movie. I guess you must saw it in some fe- something. It's just
2: leaking my movie. <laughs>
1: and they said, you have to see this movie. And the way she said it, the, the look in her eyes. And so I said, please, please get this movie for me. It was at Universal. We're both at Universal.
2: And, wow. Yeah. That means so much. And for you to be here and to take this time out, like I can't express how appreciative I am of that.
1: Oh, I, I have so many. I have a zillion questions that I'm going to ask you guys to, to ask some questions as well. But... You know for me, I hold how I judge a director is by their control of tone, so um it can be any any tone it can be hyper, it can be this, whatever um but it has to be consistent and when I saw it i because I, I didn't know anything about you it was I was hit by your control of your style, which was grounded and and buoyant and uh your use of music, and uh, I just couldn't understand it because. Normally, the use of music and the use of montage is a weakness. Uh, it's it's kind of done when it's not things aren't working, right. uh, but that wasn't the case in here. So I mean, uh, and now I've you know learned about you and stuff, but I'd love to hear. Uh, how you came from, I guess your music was the... the yeah, please tell me how you got there to, yeah, to this place. I came
2: from music videos. Um, I went to NYU, and I went to... <laughs> and then I went straight to grad school, to AFI, and I studied directing at NYU, and because I didn't want to repeat my same studies, I went to AFI for cinematography. Um, not that I ever wanted to shoot, but as a director, I really wanted to be informed about my craft and be able to know my choices And as a black woman to really hone my craft and be able to communicate with my crew um, from a really educated standpoint. And I grew up an MTV baby, and I love music videos. And I loved how experimental and um, stylistic you could be in that medium. And so I always wanted to start out in music videos. Uh, both of my thesis films out of film school were videos for my friend. My brother's here, and he was in one of them. Um, and so I graduated, and I had PA'd in videos and commercials, and I started directing them um, pretty immediately out of film school. Like my third and fourth videos were Beyonce videos, and then my music video career kind of took off. Um, but that didn't translate. It didn't translate. I think there's a real stigma to music video directors, especially music video directors of color that aren't, you know, the Finchers and the Romanix and and those and um, People really uh, questioned my ability to direct uh, dialogue and performances, so I really had to work on that, and I had to prove myself, and uh, I did. <laughs> and I, I really remember taking um, ma- taking a moment in my music video career to do more narrative videos and to prove that I could tell a story, and prove that these are somewhat of short films, you know, set to music. And from there, I, was, I had been sent a lot of scripts, but because I was pretty successful in that space, I wasn't in a rush to do anything until I was completely passionate about a project. Like, I always um, use my passion for a project to determine what I work on next. And I got the script for um, Insecure, which is a series on HBO by Issa Rae. And I never thought I would be a comedy director, but that was my first piece. I saw myself reflected in that script and her life in many ways and knew that I could really develop that and bring it to, to the screen and, and give it life. And so I started in TV um, on Insecure for the last four years I've been directing and EPing that show. Um, and then from there I directed a couple episodes of Master of None uh, and I met Lena Waith, who wrote this script and she entrusted me, we did an episode called Thanksgiving and she is a black lesbian woman um, and it was her story of coming out to her family and I knew how important that was. And, you know, I have, um, I like to, to tell stories that are unique, that are political, that have something to say, but also entertaining. Like, I feel like that's, you know, the value of who I am as a person and, and what, how I like my art to translate. Um, and I, you know, did that episode. She won an Emmy for it, um, for the writing. And while she was, we were, while I was directing that, and that came out, she was writing Queen and Slim. And so she said, I have the script, and you have to direct it. And I kind of told her no at the time because I just don't like my relationships to determine the projects I work on. Um, and I said, when you're done, you know, send it to me. And she did. And I loved every word, you know? I felt like it was everything I was looking for in the first feature. Um, It was political. It had something to say. It was creating change, you know? It was challenging the status quo. And it was just a beautiful love story, Um, you know, with these characters that I hadn't seen so nuanced. And when you talk about tone and you talk about, like, mediums it doesn't really live in one genre which i really enjoy right like it's such, we have this immense use of comedy at times and it's obviously really dramatic and starts off as somewhat of a rom-com and then turns into you know a horror film in many ways um and i, I really like that it straddled and blurred all these lines of genre and it felt perfect for me um not only as an artist but as a human and so we're here
1: Wow, man! I, seven questions that came up. Well, first of all, I was going to mention the the use of humor. First of all, I I I forgot to some extent, and maybe this is not what you intended, but I forgot the the color of the cast. I, I I just was it. They were me.
2: Yeah, I wanted to create empathy, and I wanted you to really see. I think we all see a part of ourselves reflected in these characters. I love that you don't know their names until the end. Because they're kind of supposed to represent all of us, you know. And I think that if we do see ourselves in these people, like we will create empathy, you know, to fight against some of the issues that we're talking about, but just also to understand it as a beautiful love story that's very much a human story.
1: I my my I told my wife about this, and so how I trick my wife to watch anything is I say it's a love story. So no matter what it is, it's a love story. So then I this one, she's like, what is it? I was like, it's really a love story. She (laughs) does. She doesn't believe me because I've I've tricked her in so many. So many different ways. So Exorcist. she didn't watch it, or she did? She hasn't waited Yeah. Okay. she I was gonna actually have her come now. So, but, um, So I, I, I do think that was a prominent that prominent architecture was the I was held by their their love and what an unusual kind of first date. Then they don't like each other, and then and then that kind of that movement, that architecture of their they get they're stuck together, and then and then beauty comes, and it was very sensual. And I often find sensuality used. And it stops the narrative in a way that's uncomfortable and done for salacious reasons and not, not actually from the character. Um, and I found your everything was, had an integrity to it. I didn't even know you. I didn't know if you were a black, white, male, female. I didn't know anything. And I, and I just watched the, the movie. And, and in some way, it was super beautiful. And I, by the way, I could have guessed this was you from your voice. Um, I, I just found the balance of the things you did that you had you this wasn't you, there's a kind of you understand that it isn't um, experimentation uh, that then when I saw the 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 breadth of your your uh, experience with music and then the the comedy it's all it's all there with such such lean muscles uh, it, it was it was just it was just so striking to me because I felt I was seeing a a new tone and I I tweeted this I don't know if you saw my tweet I tweeted about when I saw Boys in the Hood I was and I told John Singleton this. I was like, it was like you, same thing when I saw Pulp Fiction, and and I was, this is just a new, uh, you know, angle on the exact same stories we've always heard, but I've never seen them like this. And uh, um, and so with regard to performances, by the way, you that was one of the things that I was so so taken by was your your ability to get such beautiful beautiful performances.
2: Yeah, I mean that's something I'm really sensitive to because you know there has been a stigma against video directors, and so you know. Is definitely something i work on and definitely have a way to go you know I'm, I'm growing in that but i really concentrate on working with the actors giving them what they need you know i think everybody wants something different from a director and being able to understand that and support them um also basing my directorial choices in authenticity i think really informed their performances in a really beautiful way you know i fought to to start in Cleveland and to go south and, and to, I really wanted to start off in a cold space where it was blue and, and tonally like, they were separated and, um, and it was just cold, you know? And we stopped primarily in New Orleans and production wise, obviously nobody wanted to, to move and I wanted it to feel like a real road journey and I wanted the actors to know that. Um, and so we, you know, I fought to push and push to to shoot in Cleveland and we did. Um, and we shot our first week in a polar vortex, which was last year, um, in like minus 15 degree weather. It was our first week of shooting when he's pulled over by the cops and he's like, it's just cold. It really is just cold. His hands are being stuck to the, are getting stuck to the car, you know, as he's being pat down. And he wanted to experience that. I remember saying like, should I heat this up for you? And he's like, no, I I need to be uncomfortable in this moment. And then, you know, it was like, it was such satisfaction in knowing I had made the right choice to for the actors you know and then also shooting all the car stuff on the road like we really I wanted them to feel the cement running under them and really be in that space and not be on a stage with like rear projection and all the ways that you can shoot you know cars now like i really challenged us to shoot in all real locations so that as this landscape is moving it would inform their love story and, and how they look and interact and how they get to know each other
1: wow i uh, amazing uh, you know it made me think of on the waterfront when you were talking about that in Kazan talking about what the temperatures did to them and all of that beauty and and, it, and made it raw and yet i don 't think of the movie as raw; I think of it as very beautiful, and so you went all the locations and yet you got all the benefit of that, but then you still had the kind of formality of cinema that that I love so much and
2: I love to find the beauty and rawness and in yeah. grittiness and especially in, in darkness and dark sides of people's lives you know that i think can be really beautiful like and also just culture like black culture i wanted it to feel like a meditation on the black experience and for you to understand that landscape and their experiences they're traveling through the south
1: um your i thought your casting was fantastic um just fantastic was i assume that's your your instincts and who did you work with for as a yeah cast we
2: had this amazing I don't know how I'll ever do a project without her um, amazing casting director Carmen Cuba do you know her she's phenomenal um, and she just has really interesting choices as you know I feel like I do as well and we are a really great match and and you know we we bounce ideas off of each other really well um, Daniel was somebody who had talked to Lena before I was I was attached to the script and. She knew that she wanted that to be my choice, so she hadn't promised it to him and when I decided to to do it, she was like, me, meet, can you meet daniel and i didn't wasn't really into it. Um, because all I knew of him was get out and it's just a testament to how amazing his talent is is that I believed he was that man, and that man is not who slim is and we met, and what should have been like you know a two second conversation turned into a five hour long conversation um, and hopefully a lifelong friendship working relationship. Um, but he was just had this rawness and this vulnerability and this masculinity, and also really related. He had his own experience with police brutality. It was really important for him to play this role. Um, and so I offered him the role at the meeting, and I remember calling Lena like, hope you still like him, because he's it. Um, And so we had Daniel and then we needed to find our queen and both Lena and I really wanted to use this as an opportunity to give a platform to a new black actress like we don't get those opportunities often and we knew what what we had and so we really wanted to introduce a new a new actress um, and a new voice and it was challenging because we had Daniel who has this you know incredible experience and is obviously like you know trained in a very different way and we wanted a real newcomer. and Carmen, in our first, uh, you know, round of audition tapes, she gave us Queen. I mean, she gave us Jody, and I knew Jody was Queen upon the first tape. Um, nobody had the same like stature as her and confidence and and hard facade that I felt like Queen needed at the beginning. But then also had this beautiful vulnerability that she could be open at the end. Um, and I knew in that first tape, I have worked with her actually in a video and commercial. Uh, like five years before that but she was concentrating on modeling but she had been working on her craft and obviously really delivered Um, and we tested them together we tested probably her and two other actresses against Daniel and she made him blush upon their first meeting and and he kind of shrank I think under her her regalness and that's what we needed right? we needed somebody who would support and elevate and empower him as well as he did her and um and that he couldn't overpower, you know, because when she walks into that, that restaurant that diner at the beginning, she's disappointed, right? And who's gonna be disappointed to find Xander Kaluya sitting at a <laughs> table, right? Um so you needed someone that had that confidence and that beauty and um and could have that like kind of cold exterior at the start and then who could also open up and be a really loving and supportive partner by the end.
1: Wow, and and in in some of the smaller parts that that whole area with Bokeen Woodbine mm-hmm. uh, he was in a movie I produced and uh, yeah he and, and just, I just love him we've spent you know some time together he's a hoot and um
2: I and, knew it was Bokeem he <laughs> did this film called Jason's Lyric when I was younger And I knew his character in Jason's Lyric grew up to be Uncle Earl. So there was nobody else for me. And, you know, we got a couple people like submitting Um, a couple, you know, black actors really wanted to play Uncle Earl. And I couldn't see anybody else. He brought something to that role. I mean, his accent and his humor and... Hilarious and so tender so layered. too. Yeah, absolutely. He's really layered, and and you know, obviously he has his demons, but then he's so loving, and then you know, he's also like really protective of himself and and of the women around him, and and you know, it's a it's a different lifestyle he's living. But I think you have real love for Uncle Earl.
1: Oh, that that area of the film, I, I just could have watched that forever. That and and in, is India India more? India Moore plays yeah.
2: goddess, who's tremendous. Um, she's a trans actress, but we never say which one she is cuz that's not what matters here um she's in pose she's phenomenal and i think also brings a really loving um a loving relationship that's different to the to the screen and then also her interaction with queen you know mm-hmm. who's probably judging her at the beginning of that scene, but then really opens up and learns from this woman. Like, I always say it's kind of like an odyssey and that they take different things from these characters, and she's able to, like, learn about, you know, how to be vulnerable to a partner, how to open up, how to be loving in a more traditional sense, um, and also how to claim her sexuality as a woman.
1: Yeah, and that's the other thing. I thought it was you know very sensual um and it was connected to the music in some way the, the music had that sensuality to it it's I guess it's also something I'm very jealous about because I have no sexuality in my movies because I keep thinking my mom's gonna watch them
2: and,
1: and being an Im, Im, you know Indian yeah, my mom
2: didn't like that scene
1: yeah Indian I can't do that I can't like that every time I write something with sexuality I'm like and then she takes I'm like no I can't <laughs> <laughs> so I'm very envious of you that you get to play with that um I, I was just touched by all of it there's a sense of um I want to go to questions from you guys but I um I was I have this theory about um you know cinema and, and my movies about it being accretion it's an accretion of experience and are you know from the diner to uh you know to to the, those scenes with uncle earl to the, you just kept accumulating and even the, uh, the 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 interesting way you you chose was it um the the the, the couple both the casting choice, shepherds, yeah, yeah. Un- un- unbelievable. Chloe
2: Seven Dame, yeah, yeah what a
1: great <laughs> combo. Uh, just just always keeping me off kilter in just the right way, and then for me, the conclusion that accretion came to the, the head at the at the at the end because I kept having I was having in a good way fighting the movie going don't get out of the car don't do that don't jump on the horse don't do this stop don't stop for a dance are you crazy (laughs) and you know I kept having that fighting it uh from our you know being inured to plot driving a plot driving 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 and yet their uh hesitations to go uh, to, to stop and just look is the point of the, yes. mo- the movie. Yes. That <laughs> um, is the plot. Yeah, that is the plot. So, and as that started to accrete on me, I was going, oh, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. Oh, no, go ahead and do that. And I started to let <laughs> Take go. Take a puff of that yeah, bite. <laughs> yeah. And um, I'm like, huh. Cause and it, it still, fe- still felt authentic because part of them are thinking they're not going yeah. to make it, legitimately not going to make it. And uh, what a poetic and for me, you know, um, just, just, just beautiful. Um, so, you know, an amazing job of, of this theory of accretion. So So um, let's, any questions that you guys have and.
2: You said me, to Asada? Yeah. So
1: let Absolutely. me repeat that. So they wanted me to repeat. it. So he asked if there's any uh, backstory to the reference to a book named Asada, right?
2: Yeah. yeah Asada was, um, she was a Black Panther and then she was part of the um, civil rights movement and the Black Power movement. Um, and she was imprisoned for supposedly killing police uh, in Jersey, Uh, and she was convicted, although they tried to get her on many other charges that she was acquitted of and served, was given a, I don't know how long, but probably life sentence, Um, where she escaped jail and now lives in Cuba as a fugitive, protective fugitive. And she is one of the heroes of my life. Uh, I am very much affected by her as a black woman, as a freedom fighter. Um, I've met her when I was in in college in in Cuba. It's a story I've always actually wanted to tell, and I'm also part Cuban. Um, And so, you know, I think she's a strong symbol of black feminism to me and Lena. Uh, So Lena actually put her in the script, and we all kind of like, you know, reveled in in that reference and also in them trying to escape to cuba i had obviously a connection to that because so many uh freedom fighters and political um fugitives are protected there um and so we wanted them to kind of be one of them
1: wow i mean really there's an there's an ethics behind um your creative choices that i think inspire you um and they they transcend and stop being intellectual to me i did not feel the movie was preachy uh, at all, and I, I sometimes feel that.
2: Yeah, we wanted it to be complicated, you know? We didn't want it to be black and white, and we wanted to show kind of all the grayness in between and all the, you know, complications that racism in, in this country and in these institutions creates, and that it's not just a direct, like, you know, these people are right and these people are wrong. Um, And so that was really important. It's like the man who gives them up at the end was originally written as a white man that was kind of a cultural appropriator. And... Uh, I was talking to my friend Bradford Young, who's an incredible DP, and he gave us a couple notes on the script, and, and that was one of them to make them hide in black. And Lena doesn't really like notes from anyone except me. Um, and so, I, but I really like notes, I like critiques, and I like from trusted people that I think have good taste, and you know I throw away most of them, but when I see something that I, I think really has power, i you know I shared that with her i think I thought, I thought there was a lot to that idea, um, and she agreed and she came up with his character her name is the black man, but um, the man who gives them up at the end, you know and he 's a real testament to being a victim of capitalism, and, and choosing his own individual gains over the community, right? And, and not really being a brother in that moment, and then also like being betrayed from one you know, black person to the next, it, it hurts more. But um, you kind of understand it, and it's complicated. You know, it's complicated.
1: Yeah, I, now that you mentioned that, that was so, that made it all so balanced and perfect for me. Again, I wasn't thinking about this, but I remember when seeing him, it all just felt um, earned at the end and not simple in in a, in a beautiful way so how important are those tiny like i always think it's like those that la- when you become fluent you know my daughter's a filmmaker she's actually at NYU film school right now i tried to get her to come she wouldn't cut class and um <laughs> and and i told her your job is to become fluent in the world and the language of those characters yeah
2: i really treat each project regardless if it's a video or not like a thesis project you know and and i delve into the history and the place and the people and the characters and and what they feel like and taste like and look like um, maybe it's cuz i am a student in so many ways and i and i love to to continue to challenge myself to educate myself about and i'm just interested in people and culture and I love authenticity and the celebration of that. Um, and so I try to, you know, base all my choices in, in, in what's real.
1: Super admirable. Keep questions. Questions. What was the, the process of getting the film financed and what was the final budget?
2: Um, we were lucky. We, you know, Lena wrote the script. I agreed to do it. We had Daniel. Uh, And we worked on it, we wanted to work on it, well, I did. (laughs) Until we felt like the script was strong enough to kind of shop around. And she won an Emmy for Thanksgiving, so I think that gave her a lot of bargaining power. Um, a lot of people were interested in what my first film would be, which, you know, was also a nice little bargaining power. And then we had Daniel who has, you know, I think an incredible amount of star power. Um, and I think people are interested in seeing different stories, you know, they don't want what's the same. And, and, and so they were open, you know, we, we took it, we made a list of, of financiers, producers that we'd be interested in working with, um, And we met with a company called Make Ready, run by Brad Weston, who used to run Paramount, and Pam Abdi, who um, was at Jersey Films, and and they had worked together. And this is maybe, I think, their second film uh, as a company. Um, And they were incredible supporters. Lena and I both had Final Cut. Uh, There were certain elements that I knew I wouldn't bend on in making the film, which is I wanted to shoot on film. Um, and I wanted to travel through at least three states because it needed to you know, have that authentic feel of a road movie um, and a journey. And they agreed to that. Our budget, are you allowed to say that? I'm like, yeah, it's like public, right? Um, our budget is like 21 million in the end, 20 million. Um, we're almost through all the contingency. I just keep spending it somehow. Uh, and yeah, and that's where we so landed. And then you
1: took, you guys, did you? So Make Ready
2: has a distribution deal through Universal. So Universal distributes our film. And so I think it's, it's a beautiful balance because we kind of get to be an independent, independent film and then we also have the studio pushed and support at the same time. So it's a really wonderful, nuanced balance. Yeah, well,
1: I, I, um, I did my part backstage for you. I call, as soon as I started, I called Universal and I was like, you guys know what you have? And they were like, "Yeah," and I was like, "No, I, do you know what you have?" <laughs> I gave up. I was like, "You better," and and uh, I'll say something at the I end about that. what what it what it means to me. But uh, and let me ask uh, any questions more. Anyone? You?
2: Thank you, thank you. That's important for me. I'm from the Bronx originally. Grew up in Jersey as well. Um, but, you know, I think that there's a real culture and beauty in the hood. You know, I'm always in somebody's hood around the world shooting. Um, but when you, when you take money out of it, I think people really have to relate to each other and appreciate each other and build on, you know, what really matters in the world and not a bunch of superficial bullshit. So that's my appreciation.
1: Um, I'm you know, t- told to, to wrap it up, and, but I wanted to say a couple things. One, I wanted to say, um, we, we just met outside for the first time, and I
2: well, I've known you for a long time. <laughs> and
1: I just wanted to say, look, you're beginning this kind of this, this, this architecture of your storytelling career, and whatever happens from here out, um, from here for this film, this kind of it, it's, it's, don't think of it as an end point. at 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 all and it can get stifling and 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 free should the next one be like this against this rebelling from it going towards it all of that stuff really and you you already seem like you have this balance but but every one of us can get pulled and 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 taken to the place that that makes us forget what's important and where where our voice actually is so um just figure out your next story and and it's fantastic that everyone including myself loves it um, as much as we do, um, it's not a fixed mentality on you. And, Thank um, you so much. And for me, uh, supporting, I came here and flew here to be here to make sure you, that, that this becomes gigantic because the, the, when new voices and original cinema works in the movie theaters, I, that works for all, all of us. So you're, you're, you're breaking down doors for all that, of us.
2: Very much so. And I appreciate it so much. This was, this was so
1: much fun. Thank it you really so was. much. Thank
2: you. Thank, thank you guys. You
0: <laughs> Thanks for listening to another DGA Q&A. If you'd like to hear more, you can find past episodes of The Director's Cut wherever you listen to podcasts. Stay tuned in the coming weeks for more great Q&As with directors Todd Haynes and Jay Roach. And be sure to subscribe, rate, and review us. We'd love to hear your feedback, and you can help fellow cinephiles find the show. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is produced by the Directors Guild of America. Music is by Dan Wally.